Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandy, and one of the fundamentals of the faith is laying on of hands in Hebrews chapter 6. Why do we lay hands on people? Well, there's healing, but there's also setting aside for ministries and for power from the Holy Spirit for each one of us. Oh, this is so varied, we could go on and on. But join me together in the Word of God today as we talk about the laying on of hands. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. I am taking up a probably six-part series. We're on number four today on the fundamentals of the faith. And I don't mean just fundamentals like personally in our life. I'm talking about when you go to church. Why do we see what we see? And I've already talked about different things from the church and what goes on in a church service and why do we have certain things. Today, we're gonna to be taking up the laying on of hands. I know we have the preaching of the word. I know we have praise and worship and those are things yet to come. But I also know that when we come to church, there's a meeting together of the saints. Why is that important? And why do we do what we do when we come to church? And so we'll be, that's uh, what we're uh, bringing out here because there's so many questions. Everybody has a way that they think a church ought to be run and, and things like this. But yet we're coming back to what is the biblical principles of it? No two churches are the same. No two pastors are the same. No two, uh, you know, uh, when you come to church, I mean, just the outlay of the service and what, while you start and all that is not the same. Where you place the announcements is not the same. Uh, do we need announcements? That's a big, that's a big uh, thing in churches. Do we even have to have announcements? The answer is yes, we do to, to some extent. And you can have them go on too long. And every department wants to stick in something in there that's going on in their department. But the point of it is, yes, uh, someone said, well, there's going to be no, there's going to be no announcements in heaven. I said, well, maybe that's what the 30 minutes of silence is in heaven is to make announcements, you know, of what, what's going to happen. Don't write that down as if that's some kind of doctrine. It's just me looking at it going, maybe the 30 minutes is for that. But again, we just, you know, basically a church service is supposed to resemble heaven as close to heaven as possible. And uh, this is why sometimes in church we see just anointings and spiritual things happen as far as the uh, healing of the sick and those types of things. And I mean, when we get to heaven, there's going to be rejoicing, the power of God there. And we'll rejoice on that side because there is no sickness there. But again, the church service ought to be the closest to heaven that we can find. And so uh, people often say to me, why is, why is the praise and worship get loud sometimes? I said, well, you really haven't heard loud till you get to heaven. Uh, Paul, um, John said it in the book of Revelation that it was the sound of many waters of the worship that was going on in heaven. So heaven's going to be loud, but heaven's going to be joyful. And uh, heaven won't be a place where you can sit in your mansion and watch what's going around, what going on around the throne of God on your computer screen. No, you have to actually be there. So uh, heaven will be a place where you physically are there. And church should be a place where we don't forsake the gathering of ourselves together. We need to have it coming together. And a, a computer screen will never replace it. It's good for when you can't make it to church or something, emergency comes up, you're on vacation. I know when I go on vacation, man, I got my computer screen out there and I'm watching what's going on in church. I wanna be there. It's, it's better than being in my room and not seeing what's going on in church, but it's not as good as actually being there. My wife and I were headed toward church here a number of months ago. We walked up to the door. Church hadn't started yet, but people were just standing in the lobby talking. And when the doors were open, they were welcoming people to come in. I was just amazed, and my wife and I were both amazed, the loudness of people talking 
in the lobby. And I said, you know what? This is what heaven's got to be like. It's not loud here because people are trying to be loud. They're just joyful. And they can't, it's like they haven't seen each other for a month, some of them, or two weeks or a week. And it's just this re- talking about things that only Christians can talk about. You can't, you can't fellowship with the world, but you can fellowship with believers. And this is the importance of church. Today, I want to talk about the laying on of hands. The laying on of hands is not just something that started in the New Testament. Some of the things that we talk about did start in the New Testament, such as laying on of hands for healing and things like that. But laying on of hands just general has happened throughout the word of God. And it's called an elementary doctrine in Hebrews chapter six, verses one and two. So if you want to turn there with me, Hebrews chapter six, verses one and two, let me quickly address those that are partners with me. I do this almost every broadcast, just thanking you. Because I mean this, honestly, the reason why I bring it up so much, I think about you so much. I'm thankful for you so much. I mean, the things that we do on the broadcast, the expansions we have had, you have jumped in incredibly well. And I thank you for that. And I know that this is just, just this is just a previews of coming attractions, what God is gonna be doing in the future. But I simply want you to know, I love you. I appreciate you. You are needed for me. I could not do this without you. I know I have God, but he works through people. God works through people to give to me and I work through people to give back to God. It's the point that uh, literally, I need you. And uh, much like throughout the word of God, there's been people who were elders and deacons and helpers in the church. And because they found their proper place, the church in Acts chapter six exploded and began to grow and greater numbers of disciples were added to the church. So again, I thank you for that. And I appreciate it. So if you'd like to become a partner with me and join this wonderful group of people that I have, then go to my website, bobyandian.com. And if you've enjoyed the broadcast, if you've been watching for even a, a time or two, or maybe for a month or two, but this program ministers to you, speaks to you, then I want you to join me and just join hands with me, join hearts with me, join finances with me, and understand that what we sow in the kingdom of God is eternal. He multiplies seed sown, not seed kept, not seed in your wallet, not seed in the in the bank account, and uh, not seed that you eat. All that is necessary when you get your paycheck, but there's a certain part you set aside, give a portion unto seven and also to eight, and that verse of scripture simply saying you give a portion and he multiplies seed sown. What you're giving into this ministry will come back to you, but it comes back to you for one particular thing. You love God and love people. Love is the foundation of why you give. And all I can say is once that happens, Katie, bar the door, here it comes. God's gonna begin to bless you and just keep your priorities on him. And as as increase of of finances come into your life, increase your giving, because this is the one area of your life that should be rewarded rewarded throughout all of eternity. So go to my website, bobyandian.com. You'll find a place there where you can become a partner with me. And thank you so much. Hebrews chapter six. Well, you should have found it by now. Verses one and two. Let us leave the elementary doctrines of Christ and go on into maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works, faith toward God, instruction about baptism. See, these are the things we have discussed. But notice this next one, the laying on of hands. This is called an elementary doctrine, along with repentance, along with faith toward God for salvation or anything you need from God, instruction about baptism. Notice this, the laying on of hands. After this is the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. Laying on of hands is called an elementary doctrine. But the things that are brought out here actually are things that exist throughout the word of God. Hebrews is really a tying together of Old and New Testament together to show you the relationship between the two. And so it says, again, the laying on of hands. Let's talk about what happened in the Old Testament by the laying on of hands. First of all, the priest laid hands on animals. When people brought their sacrifices, the sacrifice represents Jesus going to the cross and 
the priest would lay hands on the animal. Sometimes he laid hands on the person first, then the animal. This just shows a transference of their sins to the animal to where the person was seen clean by the, by the shedding of blood. But once a year, there was one on the scapegoat, and the scapegoat uh, was uh, for the congregation, and the scapegoat had hands laid on that it was sent out into the wilderness to carry away the curse of the people. Now, there was nothing special about the goat. There was nothing special about the hands. It's what it represented. And so this representation was a picture analogy of Jesus Christ. Christ dying for us. That was the one goat that was killed. And then the scapegoat is a type of his spiritual death sent out into the wilderness, but that's the one that the hands were laid on and Jesus carried our sins away. And then after three days and three nights rose from the dead. So hands were laid on people in the Old Testament to pass on blessings. Moses laid hands on the elders to pass on a ministry to them. Prophets laid hands on other prophets for their succession, as did Elijah with Elisha, other prophets of the Old Testament. Kings or on next kings to come, and they passed on rulership to them. Priests laid hands on other priests to pass on leadership to them, and fathers to their children and grandchildren to pass on blessings. This is a type or a symbol of the cross and redemption by the laying on of hands and the passing it on from one generation to the other. You know, the book of uh, Deuteronomy, we uh, often, people have often asked this, why does Deuteronomy just say the same things as Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers? It's like a repeat of all that. Well, the word Deuteronomy means to say it again. And what God was saying was, I've taught to the first generation. You need to teach this to the second generation. Deuteronomy is a repeat of Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, passing it on to the next generation, the book of Deuteronomy. And so this was taking the same thing and teaching it. This is what, again, hands laid on children and then hands laid on grandchildren. Again, you're saving it for your children and your children's children and passing it on. Why do we often see a great revival in one generation, but the next generation just flounders it and doesn't do anything with it? Is because we truly didn't hand it on. We didn't teach them. The book of Deuteronomy says that we are to teach our children when we get up in the morning, when they walk by the way, when they go through the gates, when they enter the house, put it on the doorpost of your house and teach them at all times. When they get up, eventually they're going to grow up. If you taught it to them where you were there to wake them up, now the word will wake them up. When you were there to walk with them, now the word will walk with them. When they come back home at night, the word will be there to greet them. All these things are simply showing them you're handing them on to something that was a blessing to you, a stability to you and passing it on to them. So again, laying on of hands for the on the animal was a type of the cross and redemption by the laying on of hands. Let's talk about passing it on from one generation to another. Jacob laid his hand on his sons, but then one day as he was dying, he laid hands on his grandson and uh, grandson. So in Genesis chapter 49, this is found in verses 14 through 20. I'll just capsulize this for you. Jacob laid hands on Joseph's sons. He hadn't seen Joseph, thought he was dead. And now in Egypt, he now meets Joseph again. And Joseph introduces his two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. They became the half tribes of Joseph. And so what happened was, is that Jacob laid hands on them, but instead of laying hands on this way, he switched hands. And he put the right hand on the younger child's head and the left hand on the older child's head and switched hands. Of course, when Joseph saw that, he tried to remove the hands and switch it, but it was a type of what God did for us on the cross. The hand that should have gone on Jesus for the greater blessing went to us, and the hand of cursing that should have gone on us went to Jesus, so that on the cross, he gave us his righteousness and we and he took our sins. So that's the great thing about it. So God laid one hand on Jesus, the other hand on us at the cross, basically to transfer Jesus' righteousness 
for our sins. Jesus took our sins so we could accept his righteousness. Basically, it comes down to this. Our hands represent God's hands. I had a lady tell me one time, Pastor, I won't accept anybody but you. You lay hands on me. I don't want these other people to lay hands on me. It's not hands. It's not these hands that are special. My hands represent the power of God. My hands represent the hand of God, which is the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, it said the hand of the Lord came on them. That's the supernatural power of God. But my hands represent God's hand so that the things that the hand of the Lord does now work through me. The hand of the Lord, again, is a symbol of power of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. The hand of the Lord came on prophets for miracles, for kings to reign, prophets to speak God's word. Our hand represents the hand of the Lord, the power of the Holy Spirit for putting ministers into place, ordaining elders and deacons for miracles and gifts of healings. All these wonderful things that have been given to us in the New Testament can be passed on by the laying on of hands. It's not that I can give a ministry, but by laying hands on them, it symbolizes the Holy Spirit is passing this ministry onto them. We'll be discussing more of this when we come back after the break, and I know you're going to be blessed by it. So in the meantime, I'll see you right after the break. I call it halftime. Have a good time through halftime. I'll see you as soon as I come back. Healing might be one of the most controversial topics in Christendom. The Bible is very clear, but some teaching concerning divine healing have been confusing. The fact remains, God desires for us to be well. In this comprehensive series, Bobby Endian makes divine healing simple to understand and easy to receive. This USB flash drive on healing has over 15 hours of audio teaching and one ebook on the topic of healing. In it, Bobby Endian follows the truth of God's Word through many healing topics, including Jesus' stripes, the effect of strife, God's nature, forgiveness, Satan's devices, Paul's thorn, ways and methods of healing, the healing lamb, and the other side of the cross. To order your healing flash drive, visit our website at bobbyendian.com. Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. Many years ago, I wrote the book called God's Word to Pastors, and now I have updated it. Many new things I have seen from the Word of God applied into this book, and you're gonna be greatly blessed by it. I'm called to be a pastor, I trust you are too. And you will wanna get this book and become greatly impressed by what Paul had to say to pastors in Acts chapter 20. But I break this book down into, first of all, theology parts about how to minister the Word of God, how to search out the Word of God, but also practical application in choosing leadership in your church, church board members. A lot of other things are brought out in this book that I honestly think that's why I enjoyed this book so much and really, really wanted to update it. Many things I've applied in other books have all been condensed into one book. I think you're gonna be greatly blessed by the new updated version of God's Word to Pastors. To order your copy, visit our website at bobbyendian.com. Bobby Endian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. 
Again, I'm talking about laying on of hands and how this should happen in church. All the things I'm simply saying here, talking about what the laying on of hands symbolically represents is something that should be done in church. I mean, when we bring people up for healing, I mean, it's fine to speak to them and have them receive their healing right there on the spot. But you know the best thing to do? Lay hands on them. It's not the pastor's hands. It's a symbol. Actually, the laying on of hands is a point of contact. The moment the pastor's hands touch my head, I'm going to receive my healing. That's the most important part. You understand that it's not the pastor's hands that are special. It's the Holy Spirit that he represents at that time. Man's hands are symbolic of the Lord's hands and passing on blessing, power, and healing, and also transferring again those leadership qualities in the body of Christ. Whenever I would bring up people, introduce somebody new on the ushering staff or somebody new as far as a, a board member's concerned or as far as a staff member, we would lay hands on them. By me laying hands on them, it shows that I trust that person. And the laying on of hands is trust. But more than that, it represents that God trusts them. And they're receiving a responsibility, not only from human beings, but also from God. The hand of the Lord came on prophets in the Old Testament for miracles, for kings to reign, prophets to speak God's word. And the same thing happens today when a person takes a position in the church, we lay hands on them. And, you know, I've done that in my own home. And that's laid hands on my children. They got to a certain age. I laid hands on them and prayed for them for this thing from God to pass on to that generation and the blessings of God's given to me and my wife, Loretta, to pass on to those children is incredible. So the hand of the Lord, again, on prophets were miracles, kings to reign, prophets to speak in God's word. And in Acts chapter 13, where the where the uh, Paul and Barnabas were sent out, they laid hands on them. Our hand represents the hand of the Lord and the power of the Holy Spirit. So in the New Testament, we have different times when God, uh, when God showed his power or God showed his blessing, God showed his favor by the laying on of hands. Jesus blessed children. When we have, we have times in our church where, uh, you know, we dedicate babies to the Lord. I really say this, we're not dedicating a child, we're dedicating the parents. That's the main thing we're dedicating because there's no responsibility placed on the child. It says parents to raise your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Matthew 9, 13 says the children were brought to Jesus that he might lay his hands on them and pray. You see, children, we want them to grow up to be right and honorable, and we want them to take the things they have learned and learn to step out in them. This is what the laying on of hands is for. We lay hands on children and parents when we dedicate babies to the Lord. We lay hands on ministers when they go out to begin a church or to the mission field. This was found in Acts 13, verse 3, that they laid hands on Paul and Barnabas and sent them out for the infilling of the Holy Spirit. When we have people come up to the front of the church and they want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is very true in the New Testament that when people uh, received the Holy Spirit, it was through the laying on of hands. In Acts chapter two, it wasn't physical hands. The power of God came down from heaven. The fire of the Lord set over each of them. It's a symbol of the hand of the Lord coming upon them. But we find in chapter 19 of Acts in verse six, it said, when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began to speak in tongues. So there we have it passed on through the laying on of hands. And often when I bring people up in, the, in a prayer line or something at the end of the service, I like to do this in front of people. I already mentioned this. I don't want to do it off at a side 
side room. I want to do it in front of people to where they can see people receive the Holy Spirit and they can rejoice with them. I like to lead people to the Lord uh, as far as salvation in front of the people. So when they receive Jesus up front, it's not a thing to embarrass them. It's a thing to encourage everybody out there. We saw somebody pass from death to life, from Satan's kingdom into God's kingdom. They're no longer in Adam. They're now in Christ. And all these wonderful privileges and all these blessings came on that person the moment they accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. At ordinations, or the receiving of spiritual gifts, 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 14. Paul is reminding Timothy of the time whenever he first stepped into this ministry and there was a group of elders around him to witness this. He said, don't neglect the gift that you have, which was given to you through prophecy with the counsel of the elders when they laid their hands on you. So again, this is wonderful. We have it for physical healing today. This happened many times in Jesus' ministry where he laid hands on the sick. Now, to be honest with you, I can't find a place where Jesus prayed for the sick. Now, it's all right to do so because we're told in the book of uh, James to do so, James 5, 14, but yet Jesus did not lay hands on people and then pray for them. He laid hands on people and he rebuked the sickness. This is very important. Jesus rebuked sickness. Jesus rebuked demons. Jesus rebuked the fever that was in Peter's mother-in-law. And so he rebuked a tree and, and commanded, no man eat fruit of you hereafter forever. He rebuked a storm inside the ship. But that's how Jesus ministered. But often in his rebuke, he did it through the laying on of hands. And then we are told in the New Testament, given the Great Commission, that part of the Great Commission includes the laying on of hands. Mark 16, verses 17 and 18. These signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out devils. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents. If they drink any deadly poisonous thing, it will not hurt them. And they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. This is not only a thing we see in church, but should be available to every believer that whenever you go out to preach the gospel and run into sick people, you can lay hands on them. And it says they will recover. Once you notice something here, it didn't say they'll be healed immediately. They'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Often we say, well, that person wasn't healed because we didn't see a change in them. Many were healed as they went. Many were healed within the self-same hour. And again, I want you to notice it didn't say they'll lay hands on the sick and they will be healed. It said they shall recover. So Jesus one time, remember when the 10 came to him, the 10 lepers and Jesus prayed for all of them or Jesus rebuked the leprosy and all of them. It says that as they went and when they got so far, they saw that they had been healed and one of them came back and reported it to Jesus. So does Jesus heal by his word? Yes, God does heal by his word also because he sent his word and heal them. And Jesus cast out devils and healed by his word that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken. So Jesus, and again, by God's power, healed by his spoken word, but he also healed through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that case, it was usually accompanied by the laying on of hands. Jesus even taught his disciples how to do so. I think it's important that you see this in demonstration in the church so you'll know what to do when you get home. I don't like it when it's done behind the scenes and people don't know exactly what to do because they don't know what went on back there. You know, I already said this, but it would be strange if Jesus, everywhere he went, had a tent erected right behind him. And he said, now we're gonna have a whole lot of people receive me, so let's all go in the tent and do so. I'm gonna lay hands on the sick, but we're gonna go back here in this tent. You know, because you rest, you can go on home or whatever. We're gonna, no, he did it in front of people. I think for two reasons. Number one, to show that he truly had the power and people could be delivered. But number two, what they are capable of. 
This is why in church we do this. I want people to watch this and go, huh, I can do that too. Not only has that been given to Pastor Bob to do so, but this is a gift that's been given to the body of Christ that I can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover also. But God healed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to look with me at Luke chapter four, verse 14 through 18, where Jesus introduced his ministry. He had just been anointed by the Holy Spirit in the Jordan River, baptized by John the Baptist and left from there and began his public ministry. So in Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse 14, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. Jesus returned from being water baptized. He returned back to his own hometown. He went back there also to different cities and began to minister to them. And so he returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went throughout all the surrounding country. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by everyone. He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. That's the gospel. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor or the year of Jubilee. Here's the point. Although the laying on of hands is not here, anything given to you by the Holy Spirit is passed on by the laying on of hands. How is the Holy Spirit given to you? By the Holy Spirit himself. You begin to speak with tongues. How do you do? You pass this on by the laying on of hands. Healing is something provided by the Holy Spirit. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Jesus did it through the laying on of hands. And he's simply showing if the Holy Spirit comes to you by the laying on of God's hands, anything the Holy Spirit gives you can be passed on by the laying on of hands too. Now, again, the person has to be open to receive it, but they're open to receive it. I think you can lay hands on a person just receiving Jesus as Lord and Savior because that's the life-giving power of the Holy Spirit. But especially with healing, especially with calls on their life, especially with, with them accepting a ministry and going out, whether it's to local or around the world, we lay hands on them. And again, he did this by the power of the Holy Spirit because the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Our hands pass on the anointing of the Holy Spirit to heal. In the church service, we have anointing with oil. There's not oil that heals you. There's no such thing. It doesn't matter what type of oil it is. Man, do I get all kinds of of arguments from people from church. Well, we ought to baptize people in a river because, you know, the Jordan was a river. It doesn't matter if it's a river. Okay, well, I think we ought to baptize them in a big lake. You know, they might have baptized them in the Sea of Galilee. It doesn't matter. You know, I've seen churches. In fact, there was one church that told me they had a horse trough up there. And, you know, because it was a rural church, they put a horse trough and that's where they uh, put people under the water. You say, yeah, but I don't think that's right. Listen, it doesn't matter if it's ocean water. It doesn't matter if it's uh, water in a river or in a lake or whatever. It's the fact that a person goes under. It's not the water that is miraculous. It's what it represents. And I've seen people go under the water, come up healed or come up speaking with tongues. And the point of it is being baptized in water is symbolic of the fact that you have been buried with Jesus and raised from the dead. James chapter five talks about this in a local church. James 5, 14 and 15 says, is anyone sick among you? I love this, anyone. It's not saying healing is only for certain ones. Is there any sick among you? Let him 
call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. The Lord will raise him up. If he's committed any sins, they will be forgiven him. I want you to notice all the great statements of faith here. It says, the prayer of faith will save the sick. The Lord will raise him up. If he's committed any sins, he will be forgiven. We can lay hands on cloths also. Acts chapter 19, just like the cloths were laid on Paul's body and then taken to the sick. In churches, I've laid hands on cloths and heard miraculous testimonies and asked the people at the end of this service said, and told them ahead of time, I'm gonna bring uh, lay hands on prayer cloths. Bring your cloths up here, put your name on it so you'll know which is which. And I'm gonna lay hands on those and anoint them with the power of the Holy Spirit. It's much like me laying hands on the sick person, laying hands on this, they take it to the sick person. I believe in the power of God. So all you need to do is come to be healed. God's already healed you as far as the cross is concerned and he sees you healed. You need to believe that you've already been healed and see yourself as healed. And this is how the power of God comes to you through the laying on of hands. Next time, we're gonna talk about praise and worship in church. I'll see you next time. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.